Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Astro Skeptic, the astrology podcast for skeptics. If you hear a dog barking in the background, that's Lucy, and there's nothing we can do about it, so enjoy the ride. We hope you have been also enjoying the podcast so far. This is our fourth episode, and we are finally going to be diving into the actual method of astrology. Since this is a podcast for skeptics, we are going to start with the absolute basics and explain everything along the way. Going forward, our episodes will have a slightly different format. To keep things interesting and open, we will be focusing on creating a dialogue, if you will, between us in each of our episodes. We don't want to like lecture you like some crusty old professors, so as we explain the fundamentals of astrology, Paige is going to be taking on more of a teacher role, and I will be adopting the role of le student. We've decided to do it this way because Paige has way more extensive history and knowledge with astrology, and we wanted someone, aka me, to represent the audience, to challenge and ask questions in true skeptic fashion. And friendly reminder and disclaimer, we do not edit for adult language or content. Keep that in mind moving forward. So let's get started with Astrology 101. Okay, so if you have never legitimately studied astrology... I'm going to ask that you forget anything and everything you've ever casually heard about astrology. Forget about your zodiac sign. Forget about that stupid horoscope you read in Vogue magazine in 2006. Forget about that time you googled sign compatibility. Try your best to clear your head of any bias or prejudice and instead approach the subject of astrology from an academic point of view. I feel that this is the best way for beginners and skeptics especially to approach astrology as unfortunately the representations of astrology often found in pop culture are notorious for being misleading and or straight up false. So the most basic theory behind astrology is that the earth's position in the solar system relative to the other planets and celestial objects is determinant of all that happens on this planet in one way or another. This theory works off of the fundamental concept that there are different energies at work in our solar system, interacting with each other and affecting all living things. At the current moment, these energies cannot be understood scientifically due to our civilization's relatively primitive status and our current lack of understanding of most science, especially as it relates to space. This theory, however, has been proven time and time again simply by the observation of the movement of planets and the resulting impact on Earth over thousands of years as documented as far back as the time of Babylonia and likely undocumented long before. We will present and explain these past and present observations as we continue our journey here with you on Astroskeptic. For this episode, though, we are keeping it simple. We don't want to overload your baby brains too fast. For humans, the most important component for understanding astrology is the natal chart, also called a birth chart. This is the starting point for all things astrology. A natal chart is a snapshot of the sky at the exact moment a person is born. Over the course of that person's life, the natal chart becomes a blueprint for understanding that person's consciousness. Okay, but Paige, I'm going to stop you right there because this is one of the most confusing things to me when it comes to the fundamentals of astrology. How does that work? 
someone's consciousness is determined the moment they are born or what about before that? Like the whole time someone is growing in their mother's womb, they basically have no personality. That is a good question. I struggled with this as well. I've heard a few theories relating to that specific question, but the one that makes the most sense to me is that basically the moment you are born and take your first breath in this world outside of your mother's protective womb, you are in that moment being hit with the collective energy of the universe all at once for the very first time. The position of the earth at that exact time determines the kinds of energies that will be laser focusing on you and your little baby soul the moment you're born. Your soul slash consciousness was already there, but this is when the universe makes its imprint on it, if you will, or molds it. This is when you receive the foundations of your personality slash soul slash consciousness, whatever. But this is just your foundation. The rest of your life will continue to build upon this as you grow, evolve, change, etc. So yeah, when you're inside your mother's womb, you have all the potential in the world, but you are ultimately a blank slate. Okay, that kind of makes sense to my little baby brain, but I do understand that it's something way outside the scope of our understanding right now. The way I am imagining it, it's Lilu in the fifth element when all of the four stones are around her and Bruce Willis is holding her. Please tell me you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I do. 100%. And <laughs> the, the sunbeam comes down and she ignites a beam of light out of her mouth, thus becoming the fifth element. Yeah. Yep. Is that pretty accurate? That is exactly <laughs> okay. what we're talking about. Okay. That makes sense though. <laughs> okay. So if you haven't already seen a natal chart, I urge you to look one up as a reference as we go through the rest of this episode. If you have already dabbled in astrology and you already have generated your own natal chart and have it pulled up and ready, feel free to look at that. If you're brand new to astrology, I suggest you look at our boy Roy Gillett's chart, which is what we will be looking at for the rest of this episode. You just got so excited I, with um, the mere mention I'm... of his name. <laughs> He's my hero. You can look up your own natal chart if you want, but if you haven't already, I suggest waiting until you at least have some idea of what you're looking at. So to find Roy's chart, simply Google the words Roy Gillette natal chart. It's two L's and two T's. And scroll down to the result from astro.com. It will be one of the first results and it will probably show up as Gillette, Roy and have the word Astro Databank somewhere in the title. Click on that, and it will take you to a page that kind of looks like Wikipedia. In the top right, there will be an image of a chart. Click on that, and it will pop up in a new window full screen. Astro.com is the most credible and trustworthy astrology site online, at least in my opinion. I'd like to mention also that the layout of Roy's chart is going to look a little different than when you pull up your own chart on astro.com. And this is just because the charts that are stored in the Astro databank just happen to have a slightly different format. The data is exactly the same. So the kind of charts that are in the Astro databank are basically just like celebrity charts, famous people's charts that you can pull whenever you want. Post Malone, Drake. Maybe. Maybe. I can't guarantee that everybody's in there, I'm but there's sure a lot of people I'm pretty sure Post Malone is in there. I'm pretty sure. We'll confirm that. that. 
Okay, so now you're looking at Roy's chart or your own chart. As you can see, a natal chart is pretty complex. Yeah, so relating to that, I would just like to address all of the naysayers out there, y'all people who like to criticize astrology because they don't identify 100% with their sun sign, aka me six months ago, or your zodiac sign. Look at this thing. Your sun sign is one tiny little glyph in a sea of very confusing symbols. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot going on in a natal chart. I'm going to give you a brief overview of what is in the chart so that you guys have a decent idea of what you're looking at. So there are four main components to a natal chart. Signs, houses, planets, and aspects. As you are looking at the webpage of Roy's chart or your own chart, you will see a few different things. The first thing you'll notice is a large circular diagram. This diagram is the natal chart. The tables around the chart are just different representations of the same data found in the chart. Looking at Roy's chart page, just above the natal chart or to the top left of it if you're looking at your own chart, you will see the birth data that is used to generate the chart. There will be the name of the person and the date, time, and place they were born. On the outermost ring of the circular diagram or the natal chart, you will see a bunch of different colored symbols. These are the different zodiac signs. The zodiac signs represent the different types of energies that make up our solar system. These energies are located in specific areas of the sky as seen from Earth. The zodiac calendar starts in spring and ends in winter. I'm going to have Reva list off the zodiac signs for you guys in order in case we have any real beginners in the audience. Thank you, Paige. All right. Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces. And just real quick, Paige, I want to ask if we know why the signs are named as such. Like, was Virgo the season of the Virgin, or like, is Cancer in crab mating season? Why are they named that? It's hard to say exactly because a lot of it is just like historically, you know, they were these names for the different types of energies were passed down generation to generation. But initially, a lot of the signs were named for the constellations that are found in the sky where those energies come from. So somebody looked at the sky where the cancer type energy is coming from and they're saying, okay, that looks like a crab. Honestly, a lot of the different like names correlate with a lot of the characteristics of the signs and their energies, but it's hard to say that specifically because the names as we know them were created so long ago that there's not really a lot of documented history. The only thing we know for sure is that some of the names correlate to constellations found in that area of the sky. So it's important to not get too hung up on Taurus, for instance, being a bull. It's not like a Taurus is the bullheaded sign of the zodiac. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't get too caught up on it. But like I said, a lot of the 
symbols and names, they they do end up correlating with the different types of characteristics and traits. And maybe that was how they named them way back in the day. There's a lot of different data on it. There's no way we can say for sure, but they all seem appropriate. Okay, cool. So the next inner ring on the chart includes the different numbered houses. These houses are numbered 1 through 12, and their sizes and placements can differ slightly depending on what house system you're using. Calm down. We will discuss house systems much later in our podcast. For now, just know that we are using the Placidus house system, which is the most commonly used house system in modern astrology. The planets will be in this ring of the chart and represented by a bunch of different glyphs or symbols. The very inner circle of the chart is where you will see aspect lines. Aspects are literally just the different geometrical angles made between the different planets in a chart. We will get into all of that much later. So the table below Roy's chart is telling us that his sun is in Aquarius, his moon is in Gemini, his Mercury is in Aquarius, his Venus is in Aquarius, and his Mars is in Aries, and so on. So going down this list, you're probably wondering what the Node, Chiron, and Lilith are. The short answer is that Chiron is an asteroid, and Lilith, also known as Black Moon Lilith, and the Nodes are mathematical points related to the Moon. You will also see a little table underneath the list of planets that lists AC, MC, and a bunch of numbers. For now, all you should pay attention to is the AC. The AC is the ascendant line. The zodiac sign of the ascendant will be listed next to it. If you're looking at Roy's chart, you can see that his ascendant is Sagittarius. Wait, Paige, I'm going to pause you there. What do you mean Chiron the asteroid? What does that have to do with the zodiac and the sky at the time of my birth? So basically anything that's in our solar system, right, is affecting the like totality of energy that's going on. Anything that's in there that has like a gravitational pull can affect the different energies. There are several asteroids and other celestial objects that have only been discovered in the last hundred or so years that are finally starting to be incorporated into astrology. Chiron is one of these. Chiron has been classified as an asteroid, a small planet, and a comet. These labels change often in astronomy, so for the sake of simplicity, I just say it's an asteroid. Currently, Chiron is the most astrologically studied asteroid, but certain modern astrologers have started to include some of the other larger asteroids, such as Ceres, Vesta, Pallas, and Hygieia. But for now, on this podcast, we're just going to talk about Chiron. And he's always floating out there? Yeah, he's always there. He's huge. Just like any planet, he's just there. Space is wild. (laughs) Okay, cool. Moving on. So by far the most threatening looking thing in a natal chart, in my opinion, is the slanted triangle-shaped grid with all of the planets on the outside and a bunch of shapes on the inside. When I first ever got into astrology, I remember looking at that thing, thinking to myself, yikes, and then avoiding it entirely for months. (laughs) It is truly, though, not as scary as it looks, though it is definitely the most dynamic and complicated information in the chart. So the data in this slanted looking chart is the aspects. 
This is a different representation, basically, of the data that's in the very center circle of the chart, the geometrical angles between the planets. We will be getting into this much, much, much later in the podcast, so don't let it stress you out just yet. Finally, the smaller square table in the chart that has a FAEW on the left side and a CFM on the top is just a quick representation of the different concentration of planets in elements and modalities in the chart. Each zodiac sign has three characteristics, element, modality, and duality. And by duality, you mean masculine or feminine or the yin and yang, right? Yes. This table shows you how many planets are in each element and modality. I won't get too deep into either of those things, though, because we're actually going to be talking about that in our next episode. Just know that the elements are fire, air, earth, and water, and the modalities are cardinal, fixed, and mutable. Hence the F-A-E-W and C-F-M. Okay, so that's kind of basically all of the different things you're looking at on the natal chart. A lot of just being able to recognize what you're seeing quickly just comes with time and repetition. I'm also going to go through a few commonly used terms and briefly explain them to you. If you're new to astrology, if slash when you find yourself on astrology meme pages or discussion boards, you might come across a few terms that will trip you up. The first one that I've already used a few times in this episode is celestial object. So celestial object is basically just any object located in space outside of the Earth's atmosphere. And it's not just an object either, it's a location. So there are a few celestial objects in the chart that aren't actual physical planets or asteroids. They're just a mathematical location that's typically in relation to another planet or celestial object. I know that sounds complicated. Don't worry about it right now. It sure does, Paige. (laughs) Basically, celestial object is anything in space, anything that's not Earth in the chart, any of the glyphs. The next one is stellium. You'll hear this a lot, especially as you get into looking at your own chart or other people's charts or talking about your placement or other people's placements in any kind of discussion board or comment section. A stellium is when you have three or more planets in one sign or house. A stellium must be made up of real astronomical planets or luminaries. Things like the true node or Chiron don't count, though this is sometimes still debated. On this podcast, they don't count. Also, the luminaries are the sun and the moon. I mean, I'm sure we're going to go into stelliums. Stellium, yeah. Stellium. We'll probably go into that later, but... Is there anything to note specifically about stelliums? Why are they talked about so much on astrology meme pages and in dating profiles? (laughs) So yeah, we definitely will get into this later for sure. But a stellium basically just means you have a lot of that energy focused in your chart. So the way to look at planets, every person has every single zodiac sign somewhere in their chart. Your chart is that whole big circle, and you have every single zodiac sign in there. Each celestial object or planet is like one big magnifying glass in whatever sign it's in. 
And the magnifying glasses are different, and we'll learn about the different planets. But if you have, say, a stellium in Virgo, then you're just going to have a bunch of Virgo energy, hardcore Virgo energy, as compared to somebody who might just have one planet in Virgo or two. If you have like five, that means you're going to have a lot more Virgo traits than somebody who's just a Virgo sun. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Reva, hit me up with your questions. I know you have a bunch. Okay. So I'm looking at Roy's chart and if Roy ever bestowed the great honor of asking you to read his chart to him, what would be the first like three things that your eyes go to, to tell him? Okay. First off, don't play with my heart. <laughs> um, but yeah, your basic question is like when you're looking at a chart and we're using Roy's as an example, what is like the first things you kind of look at to get a idea? Yeah. An idea of somebody and how they are and who they are or whatever. Okay. So obviously the, one of the first things is you look at the sun, you look at where the sun is sign and house. So in Roy's chart, his son is in Aquarius. It's in the third house. That's important because each house signifies a different area of life, but we will get there. We'll get into that later. Yeah. But that's what I would look at. And then next, I would look at the moon. The moon, which we'll also get into later, but just brief. The moon is basically your subconscious, your emotions. It's kind of all the things going on inside of you that nobody ever sees. Aw, Hidden Roy. Oh, my God. His true heart. His true heart. Well, not heart necessarily. True. Okay. But yeah, so he has a Gemini moon, so I would definitely take that into account because somebody who has an Aquarius sun with a Gemini moon is going to be way different than somebody who has an Aquarius sun with a Scorpio moon. There's sure. just like a huge difference. Yeah. So you, you take those two things into account. Okay. The third thing is the ascendant or the rising sign. It's the same thing, guys. Ascendant and rising is the same thing. It confused the shit out of me for a long time. Ascendant and rising is the same thing, y'all. And so his is Sagittarius, so I would take all three of those things and I would think about how they mesh well together. Honestly, like if I were going to, like if I had been given like 20 minutes to look at somebody's chart before I met them to prep myself for who they are, I'd just look at all their planets and I would look at first just the zodiac sign. If I had more time, I'd look at the house. But so I would look at what zodiac sign each of the planets is in to try to give me a good idea. I would probably focus mostly on the personal planets. So the personal planets are the sun, the moon, Mercury, Venus, and Mars. If you're looking at it astronomically, those are the planets that are closest to Earth. After Mars, you hit the asteroid belt. And Jupiter and Saturn are just after, and then a long ways after are Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. So that doesn't mean that the planets that are further away don't have an effect on us. They do. They're just more of like a generational effect. Jupiter and Saturn are a little more specific just because they're closer and their orbits don't take as long. But planets like Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto from Earth's perspective, take a super long time to orbit. And so they'll stay in one sign 
for decades, Pluto staying in the signs the longest. And they'll affect an entire generation. For instance, Reva and I are millennials. Most of the people in our generation have Pluto and Scorpio. Okay, so I know this is just, you know, an intro episode, but you've mentioned them several times, and I'm just wondering if you can tell me what they actually are. Aspects. So aspects are literally just geometrical angles that are made between the different planets in a chart. So the whole chart is a circle, right? Say you have one planet on the absolute top of the circle and you have one planet on the absolute bottom of a circle. The degrees between them is 180 degrees. 180 degrees is an opposition. So yeah, there are specific meanings behind each aspect. Like I said, we'll get into that later. But to give you a brief overview, Aspects are basically like a very, very, very specific look at somebody's consciousness. So somebody could have the same moon sign as somebody else, but say they have a different aspect between their moon and their Mercury. That means that their moon and their Mercury is going to work a little differently than somebody who had the same moon and the same Mercury, but a different aspect. So the slanted chart at the bottom, that is just, if you knew how to read it and what all those other little symbols in it meant, that would be articulating each aspect in between the planets. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Roger. Roger Dodger. Guys, we're learning. We are learning (laughs) together. (laughs) And it is, like I said, it is the most complex. I personally think looking at somebody's aspects is like the deepest level, one of the deepest levels you go when you look at somebody's natal chart. And I think it gets into like the real deep-seated like complexes and issues that's that people have. Scary shit, man. Yeah. That's where all the scary shit lives. Yeah, but it's got good stuff too. Like there are good aspects. Sure, but if there's gonna good, be something I mean, scary, it's so gonna every, be in there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So every astrologer will tell you there's no good or bad aspects. And you could say that. But they're basically either easy energies or they're more challenging. The thing with the more challenging aspects is that the people who work through them and almost, you know, transcend that aspect, they've got that life lesson, right? So you kind of put a spin on it, make it a positive. Sure. But like, good luck with this. You're going to have to figure this out. Yeah. But then when you do, like, you feel fulfilled, right? Because you've had to figure something out. I don't know. Is that right? What is fulfillment? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So when you work through something... When you recognize you have like some kind of issue and you work through it, you have learned a lot more than somebody who never had that issue. Okay. And that and your aspects can tell you about that. Yeah. So the aspects are basically like if you have any hard aspects, it's the struggle, right? So it's all about the struggle. And the struggle is indeed real. Yes. Okay. Okay, I got it. I think that took me a really unfortunate amount of time to figure out is that the table where all of the celestial bodies or where all of the planets are listed, Sun, Moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, etc. To the left of that, those are the planet symbols. So all of the little glyphs and symbols that you see in the inner big ring in the chart, the key for those can be found to the left right there. That's my two cents. <laughs> Helpful. Thanks. So one of the reasons I like having Riva on the podcast with me is because 
she's new to this. So she has all of those questions that I probably also had when I first started that I just don't remember because I'm looking at charts so often and because I've, I'm now officially in the weeds of astrology. I hope that this episode has helped you understand at least a little bit of what you're looking at when you look at a natal chart. Even though Paige read me like a book six months ago, and I've been looking at natal charts for a little while, honestly, this conversation helped me a lot to actually go through step by step. So guys, join us next week when we talk about the elements and modalities and maybe get even a little bit more confusing. Thanks for coming to Applebee's. Bye. (laughs) 